Praise God. Well, let's look at 1 Corinthians 14, verse 33. 1 Corinthians 14, 33. We talked last week about uh, that God is the author of peace. And I want to talk to you in relation to, you know, our our, uh, race here on this earth, what we do and the rewards that are associated with that, but just peace concerning this and just an understanding. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 14, 33. Verse 33 says, For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints. Last week we read the context for that verse. Uh, we're not going to take the time to do that. You can go back and listen to those, that message last week. Uh, but verse 33 says, For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace talking about prophesying in the middle of a congregation and, you know, multiple things going on. But notice it says, God is not the author of confusion, ever. And He is always the author of peace. In the NIV, it says, God is not a God of disorder, but of peace. Later, a few verses later in that same chapter, it says, let, let all things be done decently and in order. God is a God of peace. He is a God of order. In everything. So anytime you see disorder and confusion, you can just mark it, that's not God. You know, you see a lot of confusion and disorder and different things going on. Just know, that's not God. That's not God's will. That's not God uh, behind things. Don't ever be confused about that. Don't ever, you know, somebody tells you, well, this is the work of God. If it's stealing, killing, destroying, confusion, it's not God. It's that easy. That's not, God doesn't just, he doesn't flip different days and be like, well, now, now I'm doing this. We're talking about in this age, in the church age, in the age of grace, God is not causing things that are bad and he's not causing confusion in your life. He's not causing um, a lack of peace in your life when it comes to what you're supposed to be doing in the earth, ever, in anything that would ever come to you, uh, you know, whether it be a thought, whether it be somebody uh, giving you what they would call a word, if it causes unrest, if it causes you to be confused, if it doesn't bring peace, throw it away. If you hear somebody say something that, that causes you to be confused about what you're supposed to be doing or confused about, you know, your, your race for God or your call, uh, throw it out. Because if it's truly from God, it'll bring peace. You hear somebody preach something and it, it makes you feel like giving up instead of running forward. God doesn't cause you to give up. He doesn't discourage people. That's, he's not in that business. 1 Corinthians 14, uh, verse 3 says, He who prophesies speaks edification, exhortation, and comfort to men. Something that's truly of God, something that's truly prophetic, or when it comes to you, somebody spoke something to you, said they're speaking over your life. Be very careful with that, because if it's of God, it's going to already confirm what you already have, and it's going to encourage you. It's not going to take you, you know, 90 degrees over here and all of a sudden you're confused. Amen. Amen. Now, God doesn't call you to do something that he hasn't equipped you for. Colossians 3 verse 15 says, And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, 
to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Let peace rule. So God is not going to drive. He doesn't push. He leads by peace. He leads by an inward witness. Primary course is word. You don't get outside the word. Number one, what does the word say? And then anything he is going to lead you in, it's going to be in line with the word of God and it's going to be peaceful. In other words, you don't, you don't get all anxious about what you're to do at this time or any other time. You know, there's a lot going on in the world. There's been a lot going on in the world before. Uh, there's always a lot going on in the world, but sometimes it looks more dramatic. And, you know, people, uh, it's easy to, to get caught up with drama and, and to get confused if you listen to the wrong thing. If you listen to, you know, it's easy to get pushed. And, and God's never going to do that. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 3, verse 5. 1 Corinthians 3, verse 5. Now, we have something to do. Let me just say this before we get into the Scripture. We have something to do on this earth. Okay? And you have it to do now. I mean, if you're living, you have, God has something to do for you. Okay? If you can hear this, and you're still alive, God's not through with you, and God has something to do. And we should be at peace concerning that, not driven, not in fear, not shying away, not comparing. There is a truth, and we're going to go over some of this, but I want to bring some light and clarity here. There is a truth. What we do matters on the earth. But you shouldn't get into fear and condemnation about it either. We ought to be encouraged. It's very important what we do here. But don't, don't get to where you're comparing, where you're condemned, where you're driven. You're always feeling like you're not measuring up because, you know, you're working for Jesus. Got to do it to the highest and best. Well, that's true, but he doesn't want you sad all the time either. There's plenty of, of scriptures that would contradict that. You know, the joy of the Lord is your strength. You know, rejoice always. In everything, give thanks. It doesn't mean, oh, man, you, you, it sounds holy. Sounds, you know, to the to somebody that maybe doesn't know the word, you know, you just, I mean, you got to do everything for Jesus. You just, you work hard and you just give it all. You lay everything down and, I mean, it can be really tough, and, but, you know, it's worth it. Well, all, those are true statements, but if you mean you're going to go around sad and worn out and just, you know, a lot of times uh, touchy and because, you know, you're working for Jesus, bite somebody's head off because, you know, you're getting the job done. That's not God. There's something wrong there. And that comes sometimes from a misunderstanding. Yes, from even, you know, you have a good heart. You want to serve him. But then Satan, uh, he's subtle. He'll come along and try to pervert that to where you're doing it out of works. You're doing it out of guilt. You're doing it because you're being driven. And that doesn't lead to true. That's not true service. Let's, let's read 1 Corinthians 3. Verse 5, it says, Who, who then is Paul and, and who is Apollos, but ministers through whom you believed as the Lord gave to each one? Now he's talking about, you know, people going after different factions and saying, well, I'm of this guy and I'm of this guy. It is 
it is, I believe, of God for you to be hooked up with certain people. We've talked about that. You should have your company. But you don't go, well, we're so much better than you and start pointing fingers. That's not of God. And that's what they're doing. They're like, well, you know, I'm of a, I'm a Paul. I'm of Apollos. And, and he's saying here, who then is Paul? Who is Apollos? But ministers through whom you believe. As the Lord gave to each one, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. In other words, everybody has the role, their place. Some may be used in different areas, but it's God. So then neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. It's about the Lord Jesus. It's about him. You know, you're tempted to start thinking, well, I'm doing this. It's my ministry. No, it's his ministry. He is the one that asks us to do certain things. We got to keep that in perspective. Verse 8, now he who plants... And he who waters are one, and each one will receive his own reward according to his labor. Notice that. There are rewards for what you do. In other words, what you do on the earth is important. Verse 9, For we are God's fellow workers, you are God's field, you are God's building, according to the grace of God, which He has given to me. As a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another builds on it. But let each one take heed how he builds on it. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear for the day will declare it. Because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. He will receive a reward. Let's read 1 Corinthians 4 verse 1. It's a little bit further in the same book. 1 Corinthians 4.1 Let a man so consider us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that one be found faithful. But with me it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by a human court. In fact, I do not even judge myself. For I know of nothing against myself, yet I am not justified by this. But he who judges me is the Lord. Therefore, judge nothing before the time until the Lord comes, who will both bring to light the hidden things of darkness and reveal the counsels of the hearts. Then each one's praise will come from God. Let's read one more, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 9. It says, Therefore we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to Him, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. So this is talking about rewards and about results for what you do. Now this, if you have misunderstanding, this can bring, could bring fear, anxiety. You know, it it could be like, oh, what's going to happen? And it can bring this this, um, turmoil instead of bringing peace. It is absolutely true, we're reading it here, and we're going to go over some things, that what we do matters on the earth. 
But what it's talking about being judged, we're not going to get into this a lot, but there are different judgments. The, 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 for the Christian, they're not, there's going to be a great judgment for the unbelievers where they are going to be judged. Their, their, their um, names are not found in the Lamb's book of life, and that is after a lot of things happen. When we are go- before the judgment seat of Christ, you've, if you've called on the name of Jesus and believed on the cross, the judgment for sin has already happened and you've partaken of what He's done. That part is over. You're not going to stand before a bu- with a bunch of unbelievers being judged. You're going to heaven. You're going. No, that's not going to happen. The, the wicked will be judged eventually. But this is talking about you standing before Jesus and you are judged for what you did on the earth. And what does that mean? For what he called you to do. Now that can be, I mean, that's a, that's a weighty thing. What did, but it's not what he called somebody else to do. And it's not what somebody thought you should do. And it's not what you read about that you think you may should do that somebody's opinion was. I mean, it's people, they, well, they look at somebody and say, well, maybe I should do that. May, you know, they hear somebody else doing, well, that sounds, maybe I should do that. Notice it says that we are going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Paul said, I don't, I don't, it's not a big deal if I'm judged by you. I, what I'm looking for is that I'm going to look to the Lord. What did he tell me to do? Let me read you a couple scriptures in relation to this. John 5, 24 says, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment. To talk about, that part's done for the Christian, but has passed from death to life. So you gotta, you gotta rightly divide the word. People get confused and start mashing everything together. No, Jesus already said, you believe on him. That part is done. Now we're, we're in the kingdom. We're running our race, so now it's just a matter of if I'm going to do what He called me to do. 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 9 says, For God did not appoint us to wrath. The the unbelievers are going to have wrath. It says, We have not been appointed to wrath. So you can just mark that out of your your head. Don't be concerned with that. God's not going to turn on you. Okay? The blood of Jesus is sufficient. You're in the kingdom if you believed on Him. You see certain verses, you don't just apply it to everybody and take verses out of context. No, that that applies to the unbeliever. Those that rejected God when they've been given every chance. God is just and holy. He doesn't just, you know, somebody, he He gives everybody a fair shot. And when they have rejected Him, there is wrath and there is judgment. But for those that have already called on the name of Jesus, that is not your future. Satan will torment people by, well, you never know, this is what's going to happen and you don't want to be... No. So put that aside and realize we have not been called... It says we have did not appoint us to wrath, but... Let's read this whole uh, verse again. Verse 9. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with Him. Amen. Those are just a few verses, but just wanted to touch on that. Look, you've not been appointed to wrath. You're not going to come into judgment of this type. There's different judgment. The Bible says to judge yourself. 
Bible says if you're doing something wrong, call it wrong and step away from it with God's grace. But it's not talking about the, uh, the unbeliever's judgment. You, we are going to stand before God for what He called us to do. And there are it, the Bible talks about rewards. It's not condemnation, it's rewards. The Bible talks about crowns being given. That what we do on this earth, it matters. Let's look at Romans 12, verse 3. Read another verse, and we're just putting some of these things together. Romans 12, verse 3 says, For I say through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, but all members do not have the same function, so we, being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. Let's read it again. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. Let us use them. Why are the gifts given to you? For what God has called you to do. So it's God's ministry, he's ministering through his church, through those who have believed on him, and he's equipped you to do, you, me, those that are in Christ, to do certain things, and you have grace, help to do that. So you're not called to do what somebody else is called to do. You're not graced to do what somebody else is graced to do. You you can't do what somebody else... You can try. But it's not about us trying to do something. When we're talking about rewards, we're talking about what our our work is. You know, it said... um, you know, whether it's we build on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stone, whey, wood, hay, straw. What that's meaning, that's saying, did you do something that means something? What does mean something mean for the kingdom of God? In other words, does it have eternal value? The stuff that doesn't, it's going to be burned up. But the stuff that you do that would have eternal value, some of it is just what the church is called to do. We're all called to be a witness in a certain degree. We're called to share the gospel. But then there are certain things that God gives you to do that you are graced to do. You're you're equipped to do. That it's easy. Comes, not saying it's just, you know, completely, you don't have to do anything, but relatively easy for you to do that than other people. God has asked you to do something, called you to do something, and then equipped you to do that, graced you to do that. And so our role is just to cooperate with what He has given us to do. And then how we cooperate that, that with that is going to determine, when you're talking about the rewards, that's going to determine rewards. It's just that simple. It's not based on what anybody else thinks. 
And God is a good God, a just God, this same God that we say is for you, not against you, that is there to to give you grace and strength and help. That God is not going to change all of a sudden when we talk about these things. He has given you something that you are fully equipped to do. So it's not like, oh no, you know, I have to do this task that I have no earthly ability to do. I just have no ability to do it. I have no idea how to do it. If you feel like that, now you can feel challenged like, wow, without God, this is, this is, uh, um, you know, not possible, but there's going to be faith and you can step out. If you feel like there is just no way, I feel like I'm in a place that I am not equipped whatsoever for, then you need to look at it seriously. Is that what God is actually asking you to do in your grace to do? Because you're not going to be, you're not held accountable for what somebody else you should, said you should do. It's what he is asking you to do. And then it's just a matter of you being faithful. And here's the thing. If you have a heart for him to serve him, then it, he is going to raise you up step by step by step. And you're going to have in front of you what is necessary For you to go to the next step. In other words, it's not going to be this chasm. God didn't become unjust. Do you hear me? People have the idea like, well, he's going to ask you. you, I mean, it takes Herculean strength to get there and to do it because it's the call of God. If you're thinking that way, something is wrong. Now, should you give everything you have to do it? Yes, but it's like taking a first grader and going, what do you, when somebody is in first grade, The teacher's job is to prepare them so they're ready for second grade, not 12th grade at that time. Did you hear me? They don't expect you to be ready for 12th grade when you graduate first grade. They do expect that you're ready for second grade. And then what's the job in second grade? Get you ready for third grade, right? This is not hard. And this is not a trick question. So when you're done with third grade, you're supposed to be ready for fourth grade. What if somebody said, yeah, but you, you ought to be in eighth grade by now. We would look and go, um, okay. And it, it doesn't make any sense. But with the things of God, people do all kinds of wacky stuff and get in twisted. You know, you'll have help to think wrong because Satan, if, he, all you, if all you need to do is go from first grade to second grade, to third grade, to fourth grade, to fifth grade, and it's just, and it, you're, you're, you know, if a first, if a, you know, first, second, third, fourth grade, if they just show up for class and they apply themselves and they do the work, they're going to be ready. You don't think God has as much sense as our teachers do? He does. He's not weird. But, but religion will tell you, oh no. You better work really hard because you're in second grade. But you better be ready for 10th grade next week. Or you don't love God. Or you're not working hard enough. No, that's not God. God knows how to get you to the next level. What do you need to do? Just give Him your heart. Follow Him. He knows how to talk to you. Through his word, through his spirit, he'll get you to the next step. Let's read the rest of this and we're going to say a few. Verse 6 says, Having then gifts given 
or gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them if prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. In other words, where you're at. If you're there at a second grade level, do it at a second grade level. You're there at a 10th grade level, do it at 10th grade level. It's developing. Verse 7, or ministry, let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches and teaching, he who exhorts and exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. You do, in the, see the area that God's given to you, at the level God's given you at any time. Now, does that have something to do with you? Yes. Do the thing that's before you that would, God would have you to do. And then he'll grow you up so you can do the next thing when you need to do it. That's, that's how you progress in him. Do you have something? Could you just lay down and say, I'm not going to do anything? Yeah, you could. Could you say, I'm going to be diligent to do what God has called me to do? Yes, you could. But don't make it into this works thing and make it to where it's harder. Like somehow, yeah, I know, you know, we talk about how good God is and how he loves me. But when it comes to this, we flip into a different version of God. And now he's this taskmaster. You better love God and do it because this is important. It is important. We're going to see this, you know, even more we've read these scriptures. It is vitally important what we do now. We're developed. It's going to have eternal consequences what we do on the earth, but you should have peace in following God and doing what he's called you to do. It's not supposed to be a stress all the time. Where there be, will there be pressures in life? Yes, but it's not supposed to be stressful as you're walking the path. That's not God. And it's a step wherever you are. You'll just say a few things here. You know, when you talk about what, like where we are in the timeline of heaven, we don't know exactly. We know some things that are, are coming. But, you know, people, young people be like, well, am I going to get to do certain things? And what will be my part? Here's the thing. We need to know that whatever God is calling you to do today, you do that. And when we are out of here, when the rapture occurs, eventually, you realize at that time, no matter when it is, there are going to be babies literal babies. There are going to be two-year-olds. There's going to be four-year-olds. There are going to be 10-year-olds. going to be 15-year-olds. What? You know, all of a sudden it doesn't matter because they really didn't do anything for, for God? No. Number one, you don't have to worry about some, if, if they're a child, they're already alive to God. If they're before they've reached that age of accountability, they're going to go. They're in heaven. So kid, people don't have to worry about, you know, trying to get them sprinkled before. That doesn't do anything. That's another subject. We don't not going to get into that. You don't have to run. No. If they're alive, they're alive to God. They're going. Eighth grader or an eight-year-old just learning in God. Because there is going to be... Let me read you these verses. We'll come back to this. But let me just... If you can skip down real quick. Just let me read you a couple verses. Revelation 5.10. Skip down like a couple verses and just put that up if you could. It says, and uh, have made us kings and priests. Now, we're not going to go in this in depth. I just, this is the thought in relation to what we're talking about. Have made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on the earth. There's going to be a new heavens and a new earth. There's going to be a millennial reign. And, and it talks about Christians being with God. Revelation 26 says, blessed and holy is he who has part in the first resurrection. 
over such the second death has no power. Talking about those that come up with a resurrection, the, the rapture, and everybody that's in dead in Christ raises it. It says the second death has no power. Just another verse. You're, you're settled. But this part. But they shall be priests of God and Christ and shall reign with Him a thousand years. Talking about on earth there's a thousand year reign and then there's eternity. But there is a future here. So for to somebody to think, well, I'm only 10. What am I going to do? It doesn't matter what I do. You're going to slip into something else and you're going to have a part in something else. We're not going to just sit around forever in heaven. There are things. This We know this is going to come. We're going to reign with him. So there are things. So what you're developing in now isn't the end. You're developing for something and then there's going to be things in the future past this life. Likewise, somebody can say, well, I'm at a certain age and I didn't do certain search. And what should I do now? I mean, I only got certain things left. This is not all there is. See, if we break this and, and don't 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 look at it like there's this life and that's it. And that, that's yeah, that's very important what we do. But it's not the end. This is the shortest thing we're ever going to do. And then we're going to be existing forever. You're being prepared for the future, even past this age. Did you hear me? So preparation time is never wasted time. So even if you're learning something now, you say, well, it's not completed. That will be the case for no matter when we leave here. There are going to be people that are in the middle of high school, people that are in the middle of elementary school, people that are in the middle of their doctorate degree. Didn't get it done. It's not like you're, you don't have that knowledge. You go on. The, the point, the, the, the critical thing is, what are you supposed to be doing now? Because that's what you're going God, God's going to hold you, hold you accountable for what you're supposed to be doing now. Don't start making decisions. Well, I've got to get this done so that I'm done before what? The, the earth is over? I mean, I'm seeing this and this happen, so, you know, it looks like stuff's wrapping up, so it wouldn't make any sense for me to start this because I wouldn't be able to complete it. Number one, you don't know when stuff's going to happen. You know how many times through the course of history, if you went back to World War II, people would look at what was going on. That would surely be a time for people to go, man, this is getting horrible. Now, there was a lot of other stuff that wasn't in place. You know, I believe that it, it wasn't time that things couldn't have happened anyway, but when you look at bad... You know, my pastor uh, in Lincoln, Nebraska, used to always tell this, you know, he would talk about back when, uh, you know, they, in the 70s, um, he would talk to young people, and they're coming up, and they were just like, you know, because people thought, they thought the, the, the rapture was imminent, you know, Jesus people, we're, we're, we're going to be out of here, thought Jesus was coming back, and they're like, we, we don't want Jesus to come back until we get married because we want to have the experience of getting married. Now, if once we get married, then Jesus can come back. And so these people are like, hey, Jesus, you know, I, just hold off. And then he said, now he talked to those people years later and they're like, Jesus, come quickly because they got married. And that didn't change their life. But there's always, you realize, well, i got to get married before Jesus comes. Those people thought the same thing as 50 years ago. Now, are we getting close? Yeah, I believe we are. But you don't make decisions based on that timeline. You make decisions based on what God's told you to do. At the beginning of life, whether you're young or whether you're old, don't say, well, I better start this because I, I, don't, have, I, so have, I don't have too much time. No, 
we say, God, what would you have me to do? Because this isn't it. See, when you're under pressure, you start making dumb decisions. Have you ever really, you know, thought, see, that's what sales are all about. When you get under pressure to make a decision and feel like you have to do it now, don't ever do that. I don't care if it's something on sale, you know, a different timeline, somebody's putting pressure. Well, you better do this because God's moving. Um, again, do what God is telling you to do in your heart, not based on what somebody else. You're not going to, somebody said, you're not going to stand before Jesus and go, yeah, but so-and-so said this on TV and I felt like I had to. You just want to be like, he might've been saying, no, just do this. Just keep doing what you're doing. You don't make decisions based on that. You make a dumb decision when you try to do it under pressure. But if you just do what God has told you to do at any given time, don't be pressured by, by what somebody else is doing. Well, they look like they're moving and shaking. I got to start doing that. What did Jesus say? What did the Holy Spirit prompt on the inside of you to do? That's what you need to do. Yeah, but it doesn't feel spiritual enough. Says who? How much more spiritual can you get if you do what God tells you to do? That's the definition of spiritual. Amen. What are we talking about? Looks and the way people look? That's that. The Bible has lots to say about that. Don't compare. God looks on the heart. Don't judge by appearances. You, don't, you could be look like you're moving and shaking and completely be missing God. You're in totally the wrong place. And what we're going to be uh, held accountable for is what he told us to do. So you just keep doing what God told you to do at any given point. And when, he, when you're ready, you go to the next step. And when you're ready, you go to the next step. And when you're ready, you go to the next step. And couldn't feel like, well, this doesn't seem really spectacular. So, but if it's God, it doesn't really feel spectacular going from first grade to second grade. People, you know, the kids don't care at that age. You know, they're like, recess, when is it? You know, but, you know, once they get to a certain age, oh, I want to get out and I want to do stuff. But just going to the next step is how you grow and how you build up things. You don't learn everything in a day. You don't get everything done tomorrow. And if you try, you just keep spinning your wheels because you're trying to fit everything in instead of just, hey, I'm going to start on this path and I'm just going to keep marching. How do you know what to do? You look to God. You trust Him. And He's going to show you what to do. Let me Now, I'm going to read you a, a, a prophecy given by Brother Hagin. Years ago, it was from a little book, and I, I don't know what the year was. But I'm going to give you an example. This is a prophecy that concerns some things that we're just talking about. But notice, this, this, is an, this will encourage you. This, they're talking about uh, exhortation and comfort and edification. Notice what this does. That's, that's the true spirit of prophecy. It says, now sit idly by and, can, and recognize not the move of the Spirit. Feed not upon the word of God, but rather walk in the flesh. Fulfill the desires thereof, and you will miss entirely what is that which is taking place in this hour and this day. But respond ye unto the word of God. Yes, soak your mind and heart thoroughly in the word. Let that word not only not depart from thine eyes, but hide that word in the midst of thine heart by speaking it and practicing it and doing it. 
And then it shall be said of thee, Yea, 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 the Lord is my helper and my keeper. I walk not after man, not after the thinking of man, nor the thoughts of man, but I walk in the light of the revelation of his holy word. I walk in the power of his spirit. I walk in the glory of his might, and I stand strong in him. And when the winds of adversity blow, as they surely will, and when the the fires of persecution burn, as they surely will, and when the tongues of men shall speak against thee, as surely they will, thou shalt only smile and say, I give an account unto the Lord. I stand before His judgment seat. And in that day I will be able to say, Lord, I've done my best. I've been faithful. And He will say to me, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into the blessings of the Lord prepared for thee before the foundation of the world. Yea, saith the Lord of hosts, be ye prepared, be ye ready. Walk with me and be sensitive unto my spirit. Not only will thou be blessed and thy family be blessed, but thy neighbors shall be blessed, and all that thou come in contact with shall be blessed, and the blessings of the Lord shall flow like a mighty river. And then there's a break, and then there's some more. It says, but many have said, oh, I've missed it so. I wish I, forget it. I could forget about the past, those mistakes, those faults, those failures, and even that terrible wrong and sin that I did. Yea, saith the Lord of hosts, do not count as nothing my blood. Remember my blood, precious blood, the divine blood, the blood of the divine Son of God was shed for the remission of sins. And yes, the Lord has declared, I, even I, am he that blotteth out thy transgressions, and I will not remember thine iniquities. So do not dwell upon the past. Think no longer of that which is past. And when the enemy will bring a picture of it before your mind, just laugh and say, ha, 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 that does not exist, Mr. Devil. That does not exist because the Father has blotted it all out and the blood has washed it all away and now I stand in Him. And the enemy may persist, but the more he persists, the more you laugh. Laugh right in his face and he'll run away and hide and you in the power of God in His love and mercy shall abide. But some have said the Lord could never use me. I'm so weak and so unworthy. I've fallen so short. Yes, saith the Lord of hosts, do not judge yourself after the seeing of the eye of man or the judgment of the intellect of man, but rather judge yourself after the revelation of my word. Remember that it is I, even I, who blotteth out thy transgressions and refuse to remember your iniquities. That it is I, even I, who made you a new creature in Christ Jesus. For it says, created by God in Christ Jesus, in Ephesians. And I did not make a new creature which could not stand in my presence, but would cringe from me, run from me, and cry out, I am unworthy and undone. No, washed in the blood, cleansed by his word, filled with his spirit, having become his son, yea, a child of God, so come, come boldly by the blood, even into my very throne room, and make your requests made known." Realize that you belong there and you begin to be sensitive unto my spirit that resides in your spirit, for he will guide you into all truth. He will show you things to come and everyone will be used of the Lord. No unused members in the body of Christ. Everyone may not be a ministry gift in the body, but everyone may function in their place. So take your place. Oh, some have said, I don't know my place. Do what thy hand 
uh, does fine to do. Yea, minister everywhere you go. Speak ye the word of God, and the word will do work. Do the work. Yea, saith the Lord of hosts, you will not come empty-handed. You will not be barren and fruitless. But rather you will come into my presence, eventually stand before my very throne, and the harvest shall be great. And thou shalt be glad, and many, many will rise up in that day and call you blessed, and it will be a great day. In a great day it will be. Yea, saith the Lord, labor. Work while it is still day, for the night cometh when no man can work. Hallelujah. Glory to God. We have a part to play, but God is not condemning. There is a part for every individual. There is a part for every person. There is a part for us to do now. Not what somebody else is doing. Not what somebody told us that we should do. Not what somebody uh, did years ago. But now. On the earth. For the precious fruit of the earth has to come in. And we're a part of it. And God is not asking you to do something that He hasn't equipped you to do. He is not holding your past against you. If you've been cleansed by the precious blood of Jesus, then you go boldly forward. We don't look to the past. We say, what is it now? What do I do today? Oh, but I I just have not done certain things I should have done in the past. He addressed that. Don't do that. Say, that's past Lord. What would you to have me to do now? Being condemned and looking at what he's asked us to do and standing before him should not condemn us. That will simply derail you. But looking to him and, and saying, Lord, I trust you. You show me what to do now and I'll be faithful to do that. And he's going to ask you to do something that he has graced you to do and equipped you to do now. And you'll go Higher and higher and higher in that. Regardless of a timeline, regardless of where you are in life, there is a now. What is he asking you to do now? Because this isn't the end. You're, you, what you do now, we're going to pick up some things. It's going to look different, but it's going to be picked up in the future. This is the time that we share Jesus on the earth. This is the time that we are witnesses for Him in the capacity that He has asked us to do. But don't let it look like what somebody else has been asked to do. Look only at what He has asked you to do and just be faithful to do that. Now, wherever you are. And when you step over into that time, you stand before Him and just like what Brother Hagin said, Lord, I did my best to do what you told me to do. And here I am. That should not bring fear. It should not bring anxiety. It should bring peace. It should bring awe. It's a sobering thought. What we do here matters. It's very important what you do. But it shouldn't be suffocating either because you won't do anything then. You'll be crushed under the weight of it. See, it's not one ditch or the other. It is doing what the Lord Himself has asked you to do now. That's what you're accountable for. And you have peace in that. You're aware of the awe of that. But you do it in His strength and His grace and His help. And there's no fear then. Amen.
He's faithful. He's a faithful God. He's a good God. And He'll help us to do what He's called us to do. Hallelujah.